joining us for another intriguing edition of the Stack Pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. That's right, guys. Stack Pack. That's right. I say that so much. That's right, guys. You know, you click on it. You're listening to it. God, the dogs just walked in here like nothing. Like, I'm not, like, doing some important recording. What's up, guys? Stack Pack. David Howell is always joined by... Eli on the other side of Texas. What's up, dude? What's up? When my I put a sock on the door so that way the dogs know I'm recording. They know not to come in. <laughs> Your dogs I'm abide by like college dorm rules. I'm, I'm having a sexy podcast moment. Uh, Adeline got really excited because she's like, "Dad, you guys haven't podcasted in a while." I was like, "I know. I've been working way too much." <laughs> and she's been watching like YouTube. Uh, unexplained videos of like people going missing and like ufos and she's like dad i'd i'd really love to talk to you about stuff like that on your podcast let's do it dude (laughs) you want to get my nine-year-old daughter adeline to tell some crazy crazy ass stories that she's been seeing yeah some youtube stories yeah that'd be that would be amazing actually like a little christmas episode um our special guest is your nine-year-old daughter (laughs) <laughs> who, who, who also has a keen interest in all things spooky and abnormal, which is kind of adorable. I know. Does she also it's, like? It's really cute. Does she also like some some of that hard classic vinyl? <laughs> she does. She, uh, <laughs> but she she has her own tastes. She's getting into her own music now, and I I got her a Spotify account, and she's got like playlists. Okay, she's, so maybe not that. She, Maybe not that hard classic vinyl, but that no, hard she's vinyl. got the, that new that new classic vinyl the 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 one that will be a classic maybe in like twenty years. Yeah, like that Drake album that came out three years ago for us. But <laughs> damn, that's gonna be a classic <laughs> in twenty forty. No, she's she's <laughs> super into um, Ariana Grande and Billie Eilish. Those are her jams right now. Did you see that cool Billie Eilish uh, performance on SNL when she was in the square? No, man, I haven't. I, I man, I've been so off the radar. I haven't been able to watch anything, like at all. I've been working so much. I haven't watched. I haven't caught up on anything. I'm like backed up on like everything. Anything I used to watch, I haven't watched a single Goldberg's this season. Since, like all my fall has just been like totally, yeah. just work, 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 work. You gotta do what you gotta do, and that's why you beautiful people haven't heard Eli's delicious voice as much. It's not because we don't like I him. I know. It's not because we've been feuding like the Bever- the it's Housewives because- of Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> no, the yeah, the, the real stack pack can and do a reality show. Also, we haven't even brought up that Dan's not here. You can blame yeah, the Trans Siberian Orchestra for playing El Paso, Texas, because Dan's over there helping them load in and load out. Uh, you know got what's some funny? Friends on the show too. Is I used to I, I I remember they used to play El Paso, but after Christmas. Oh yeah, sometimes that's the way it works. Playing. He was explaining their schedule like it's unlike even like a really rigorous tour schedule. It's even more rigorous, like because they have to hit you know pretty much middle of, all of Middle America within like the month, and then the week after Christmas, like that's that's when they work. It's just that little time they go and play their. 80s hair metal Christmas music for everybody. Then they move on to the next town. <laughs> so blame uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra for uh, the gorgeous Daniel Benavidez not being here today. Oh, oh I was going to make a joke about how uh, pretty soon they're going to import um, Christmas homes that are nicely decorated. And they're going to sync the lighting to the or- the live orchestra playing. <laughs> yeah, that's what they should do. Um If you've seen Trans-Siberian Orchestra once, you've that's it. You're good. Like it's, right, You're good. Like, if you can even make it through a whole show, fuck. Have you ever seen them? It's so drawn out. No. No. I can just imagine. I couldn't <laughs> play their whole fucking CD or something. Oh, like, dude, it's, CD. yeah. Who fucking, their whole CD? Who plays CDs anymore? I couldn't play their whole fucking album. I couldn't even play their whole <laughs> compact disc, let alone an MP3 CD <laughs> with lots of songs. Because MP3s are a smaller format. I don't know. Okay. So we're gonna. I, I would maybe get through side A. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Dan's just down the street. He's um, at the convention center or the plaza. I don't even know where the show is. Anyway, um. Don Haskins, whatever. So, Dan, Eli and I are gonna do this episode. We're gonna tackle it on our own because Eli had a sliver of time that he could hang out and be true crimey with us. <laughs> Woo! 
Speaking of speaking of sliver, do you want to tell everybody about my dude? I just can't like can't keep. I can't keep out of like fucking the hospitals um, during the holidays. Like this is yeah, year yeah. three already. I'm I'm like going three year three. Okay, okay, strong. Okay, I want to prefix this story. Prefix, prefix, yeah. prefix, whatever. Um, if you've listened to every episode of this podcast, and if you have, oh man, you're cool. <laughs> I want to be your best friend. Um, but like, it was like two years ago. It was it the first year we it did was, it. It was two years ago. Yeah, it was like a couple episodes in. We had only been recording for a little bit. <laughs> Eli, because I remember he, you got Jocelyn to tell the story. Yeah. Oh, we got. Yeah. Go back to that. Oh man, probably Christmas of 2017 because we started in 16. So it's got to be That's Christmas right. of 27. Oh no, Christmas of 2016 because we started in like June of 2016, right? Man, really? No, it must. Oh, have been. June of 17. 17. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, we've only been so it's Christmas like of 17. I don't know. Go back around then. And uh, it was probably after the holidays because it, you were putting up the Christmas gear. I was putting the stuff yeah. back up. Yep. And yep. Eli fell through the garage. He thro- fell through the garage <laughs> putting the tree, the Christmas tree back, right? The Christmas tree specifically? Yeah. Yeah, it was the tree. Well, I, I put everything back up, but I, I got upset because Jocelyn um, mentioned that there it was a brand new Christmas tree at the time. And she mentioned that it had these green, um, like pull strings that helped tighten it. And for some reason, I I already had it all taped up and it was already boxed. I just felt the need to go in there and like securely fasten these green strips that I didn't that I just didn't see. So in the midst of all that, I flipped the box over and my foot slipped and fell through. And yeah, I fell. You fell terrible. through the garage into yeah oh half of your body fell uh, into no, the garage not, right? half, half. It, it was uh it was um you ever seen um what's the name of that uh tom hanks movie with where he fucking falls through uh where they buy the the stupid house they buy the house and it's a oh, shit God. Hole, money pit yeah I, money, pit. money pit i don't even know yeah sure yeah. i was thinking of a recent yeah, episode was, of toast of london i saw check that out on netflix if you've like seen Google. that <laughs> If you, so, I said if you yeah, like to feet, Google, my, check that out on Netflix my, if you like to giggle. <laughs> to give, and if you like English things, it's very English. Oh, I love I love Googling English <laughs> things. So, yeah, my, my both my feet fell through. I managed to catch myself on the wooden beams, but I really hurt my back. I ended up going to urgent care. Nothing was wrong with me. Just I was just really banged up. Um, what happened, I thought I broke a rib. What happened last year? Last year, I went to an Every Time I Die concert, and I, oh, I, I broke my ankle. Was that around the holidays? I was going to mention that. That yeah. was November. It was November last year. You so went that was, to- That was year three. Were you like, not skanking, moshing? Were you like doing like the hardcore <laughs> was kid skanky? dance? skanking? Yeah. The fucking ska music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. No, you were at Every Time I Die. Oh, I can't even yeah. remember one of their cha- songs. I just, had a, I just had a few too many in. I got nostalgic. Um, yeah, broke my ankle last year, and then uh, this year I was prepping the turkey and okay. stuffing it too hard. Okay, yeah, stuffing the turkey too hard. Um, we're recording. No, actually, this. it's it's not gangsta. It's not a gangsta story at all. I I, I was putting the turkeys. Stuffing I, I like to smoke too hard. turkeys. I, I like to smoke turkeys, and I was we, Dan and like, I also gonna, smoked a turkey. Oh, did you? How did it come out? It was great. Dan's got yeah. We just cooked for his mom's, and it was we had a we had a cute little Thanksgiving. Did you spatchcock it? Oh, I don't know what <laughs> that know what means. But is? we did something sort of <laughs> like that. <laughs> nice. Now spatchcocking is when you when you cut the bird like open so that it lays flat. It cooks faster. Anyways, I did oh, two yeah. birds. I had, I had two just birds. put the fire on, and I was gonna put um, the onion and the garlic in the fire, like basically the aromatics. And I was peeling oranges with my peeler. And I think I'm going to do a Google review about how awesome and how awful at the same time the peeler is because it's sharp as fuck that it cut the tip of my pinky off. Fuck. It was a peeler? Yeah, Yeah, it was one of those Y peelers. I bought it to make old fashions. Because oh. you know how you like the, the old fashioned, you need that nice, yeah, big I love an old sliver fashion. of the skin, yeah, and that's yeah, why, yeah, I a it. zest, a sweet ass orange zest, yeah. yeah. Dude, that is just, just I'm just finger. like, I'm just like touching the, 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 the my pinkies, and, and right now, and uh, yeah, your story is bumming me out, right? So, you cut the I just tip, fucked it. I, the tip, dude. I so I had surgical gloves on because that's how I always work, I like clean shit. 
And um, damn, and you're so prepared. This is heartbreaking. I know it's not just like and some drunk cut, doofus I, like putting a frozen turkey into a fryer, you know, deep fryer. No, the the hospital I went to, luckily, because all the urgent cares that I went to were closed. The er, er, uh, hospital I ended up going to, was luckily there was nobody in there, and so I went in, and I, they took me straight in, and the napkin I had was soaked with blood. I had the my hand over my head. I was like just trying to stop the bleeding, uh, and then God. they told me I won the I won the award for first Thanksgiving accident. Oh <laughs> it my was God. like at eleven. It was like at eleven or ten a.m. How embarrassing yeah. to you! And it's not even like I. Well, at least you didn't burn your house down. At least you only injured yourself. Um, well, I sent I sent uh, David pictures, and he was very squeamish. He's like, I can only look at it for a little while. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and da- actually, Dan showed me the picture, and I was just like, "Oh God, oh no, Dude, no, I yeah, can't do it's it." It's bad. Um, luckily, though, they told me they're like, if you hadn't gone in, it probably would have bled for about two days. So they put this like artificial skin on it, like an artificial scab. Damn, and they numbed the shit out of it. Thanksgiving was awesome. I didn't feel a thing, <laughs> and then the next day, I woke up in so much. Damn. So good thing you went. My fingers wrapped. I just wrapped it and it looks like a maybe like a weird dog penis. <laughs> it looks a little sharp. Um I'm looking at the blurry Skype video. I can tell you the audience that it, yeah. It's bumming me out. <laughs> yeah. God. It hurts. It hurts bad. Um all right, shit. How long? 13 minutes into this episode and we haven't even mentioned the episode. <laughs> we, haven't talked to, we, have, we haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah, but this episode, okay, there's two interesting cases and two lost loves. So I want to, but we'll run through the lost loves because they're interesting enough. But uh, uh, we're going to, the main bulk of the episode, we're going to focus on these first two cases. Yeah. Did you want to tell everybody that when this original episode aired and when we're recording? Yeah. Okay. So this episode will probably go out um, Monday. Uh, what's the next Monday? <laughs> Sorry. What's the, the Tuesday? The ninth. The yeah, ninth. So the ninth. It'll come out the ninth. So we'll put this out on the ninth. But Eli and I are recording this episode on December 4th of 2019. And the episode we're covering today premiered December 4th of 1991. So that's pretty cool. What's the years? Uh, so 18, eight, no, not, not 18, 28 years ago. 28 years. That's crazy. On the anniversary, on the 28th anniversary of this episode, we're covering it. So that's pretty special. You'll hear it like a little, a couple days after, but whatever. Uh, I'm sorry. That never, <laughs> that never happens though. We can never, that's, I don't think that's ever happened where we, yeah, I, I'm, we record an episode on the anniversary of the episode airing. That's never happened. I'm also hoping that there's some sort of Christmas episode or, or uh, oh. episode having to do with Christmas that's coming up that we can actually cover for the holiday. Yeah. We could drink some booze nog. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Let's get into our first case. Like I said, we got two interesting cases and two lost loves. The first case is a wanted case. So September 29th, 1991. This guy named Michael St. Clair, he's in jail. He's been convicted of murder, two counts of murder. And he plans this cool prison break, this really intense prison break in Durant, Oklahoma. Um, In the reenactment, he's like got to shiv up against the guard, right? You you can't really, they don't really go into much detail. But um, he's got to shiv up against the guard and then he makes the guard break out his buddy and his buddy was grandpa a fel- joe yeah grandpa <laughs> and his friend did you listen to the new podcast <laughs> the black christmas no. oh. uh, why because <laughs> there was a guy in black christmas who like Corey was like he looks like a young grandpa joe so we just kept- <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was i was <laughs> no nah, dude this guy totally looked like grandpa joe the Did actor, he? anyway, not that. Yeah, the actor that played the the dude because they show his mugshot later. Like that guy does not look at all anything like the actual <laughs> guy looked like Grandpa Joe or the or the reenactment. The actor, the reenactment oh, okay, okay. guy looked like Grandpa Joe. So Dennis Reese is this guy that he's uh, uh, that he breaks out, and Dennis Reese is apparently waiting awaiting uh, trial for robbery and murder. So he's a piece of shit too. So St. Clair and Reese 
have been on the run at this time. Like I said, the episode aired December 4th, 1991. At this time, they have been on the run and they have um, pretty much been on this intense crime spree that has uh, occurred in eight different states and has culminated in four deaths. Yeah. So like what they were on the run at that time for over uh, just over two months when the episode aired something like that yeah december 4th of 91 they were on the run and they had been you know spreeing their crime had been spreeing all over the place so michael sinclair uh was actually convicted in south carolina on two different counts of murder before his escape and he actually had three life sentences so he wasn't ever getting out that was not a thing so yeah obviously you know Fight or flight, fuck it. Yeah, so he's like, give me get, 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 give me the hell out of here. Give me the fuck out of here. Also, there was like drug trafficking in his background. After they kind of went into his backstory, they found out that apparently, like his uncle, kind of knew about his his you know underground, under the table drug dealings and things. So he actually put a hit out on his uncle. Very uh, Kim Jong Un of him. Um, <laughs> well, I guess Kim Jong Un doesn't put a hit out. He just says, "Hey, friend, go down in the hall and kill my uncle," <laughs> or was it his cousin, uncle? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Um, so then, <laughs> some relative. So after this guy goes and successfully murders his uncle, he then murdered the hitman just to fucking you know. Yeah. No witnesses. Yeah. Just fuck it. <laughs> two days after the two escaped from prison. They actually uh, call this writer, this reporter, Tom Mullins. St. Clair calls Tom Mullins. He gets a weird call, and he pretty much tells him that uh, he wants to give this reporter the real story because everybody has it wrong. So this guy, Tom Mullins, is in contact with St. Clair. Cut to three weeks later when a state trooper pulls over a random pickup truck that seems to be uh, driving away from a burning vehicle. That's a reason to pull over a car, right? <laughs> <laughs> so St. Clair gets out of the truck. Well, okay. Well, they say that what who they believe to be St. Clair immediately gets out of the truck and fires twice at the trooper. The trooper immediately ducks. And um, fortunately, this trooper was like not grazed or hit or anything. He was fine. And then... Moments later, they said a couple. They say a couple minutes or like. Yeah, they, they they said yeah, just a few minutes. They said they find the the truck. They said it was disassembled, but not they, disassembled. Really the only, what's the word that he used? I thought he used disassembled. He, he said that uh, the 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 truck tried to drive over like the patch to the other side of the highway, but oh. all the tires fu- got fucked and the axles got like yeah. there was something there. Yeah, so he so they, they just, ended up just ditching it. Yeah, like, but that I could have sworn that he used the word disassembled, and I was like, when they showed it, I was like, that that doesn't look disassembled at all. All that happened was the tires got blown out. <laughs> yeah, and the owner of this truck—I mean, these are all like <laughs> everything feeds into another thing in the story because it's a crime spree. You have to remember, the owner of this truck was a guy named Francis Brady. He had oh, actually man, poor guy. Yeah, he had actually only went missing what like twelve hours before that. He was cashing a check at like a convenience store. God, yeah. Dude. yeah. So he cashed his check at a convenience store and then went missing, and they didn't know what happened to him until they found his truck. And, but he was still missing after that, and uh, they ended up finding his body a few days later. Right, or was it weeks? Yeah, and it was. Uh, he was murdered execution style. So, I mean, you could assume. What was the town's name? It had like an adorable Elizabeth Town. Elizabeth Town. Isn't that the name of like a romantic There's comedy? A, it's the name of yeah, with Orlando Bloom. Where actually, I don't know if it's that romantic. <laughs> Is it or it's? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's with I think it's with him and um, Mandy Moore, Kirsten Dunst. No, Kirsten oh, Dunst. Okay. And they're driving there. I, I want to say that they're bringing his father's ashes. They're driving it around this, like the United States. I, I want to say, I, I vaguely remember that movie. That sounds like a bummer, but I do love yeah, Kirsten. Dunst. It's pretty sad. I do love me. She's Kirsten a cutie. Dunst. Um, 
I, I grew up loving Kirsten Dunst from uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. But when I watched those as an adult, I realized that Sam Raimi was more... He was very much like a George Lucas where he doesn't care too much about the actors. Because I watch those movies really now does. and Toby and Kirsten's like on-screen chemistry is like n- in the negatives. It's not there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like non-existent. But I mean, <laughs> but like watch her in Jumanji. I guess she was in an interview with the vampire, but I, I, I've never been able to sit through this. I'm pretty gay, okay? But that movie's <laughs> fucking gay. All right? Interview with the vampire it's is really gay. so gay. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've watched every episode of American <clears throat> Horror Story. I'm engaged to a man. <laughs> Interview with the vampire is pretty gay. It's fucking gay. <laughs> if anybody's qualified to make that assessment, I would say that would be you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I digress. But how did we get to there? Chris, Kirsten Dunst. Uh, um, we, we were talking about Elizabethtown. <laughs> okay, Elizabethtown. Damn. Okay, Elizabethtown is where this case takes part. And they found the body... 12 miles outside of Elizabethtown, which is the place in South Carolina where this was taking place in, correct? Yes, maybe? Uh. Yes. <laughs> Trying to get back on track, guys. So like you said, execution style, which is handcuffed behind the back and shot in the head, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they said that it was uh, identical to the way that he had basically murdered his uncle, right? The way that his uncle was murdered, execution style, they said it was almost, ah, uh, exactly dead. like... Which is weird because they say that he uh, uh, hired somebody to kill his uncle. But yeah. also, I guess maybe that's just the basic. Maybe he told him exactly how he wanted his uncle killed. And he just did it the same way. And the burn truck that they were fleeing from belonged to a Denver paramedic named Tim Keeling. This poor fucking guy. Um, same had, thing, man. He had also went missing. But, but they also have like a little blip where they mention that. He went missing because he was antagonizing a convenience store or uh, patronizing? A- patronizing. Patronizing is what they said. <laughs> patronizing means he was at the convenience store. Like, like he's a patron? Or patronizing means, means talking or- shit to the... <laughs> like talking know, down? Time. Talking down to the convenience store? Don't patronize store. me. Don't, don't patronize this no convenience idea. store. You're like, oh, you should have been a Circle K fucking 7-Eleven scum. <laughs> He was patronizing the 7-Eleven. Maybe he was a piece of shit, and these guys were like, all right, we're going to take this guy's truck. And they (laughs) took him. Yeah, they're like, this guy sucks. We'll kill him. No one's going to miss him. That's an awful thing to say. Sorry. God bless you. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. So he was, but I mean, he couldn't have been that terrible. He was a Denver paramedic. He was a paramedic. Um, So he had went missing after he was at a convenience store. Being a patron or patronizing, who knows? I don't know. And they found his body in a roadside ditch in Clayton, New Mexico. And that was apparently five days after the trooper was shot at twice but survived. So, wait. Okay. Okay. I'm confused about this. So, they find the whole reason the trooper pulled him over, right, is because they're driving away from the burned vehicle. So, there's two vehicles involved. So, they they find Tim killing in the paramedics. They steal his truck, and then somewhere in the meantime, they find uh, Francis Brady. They kill him and steal his truck, and then they light Tim Keeling's thing on fire, and then they get away in in Brady's truck, but not for too long because the paramedic, sorry, the trooper sees them flee from a burning car, and then, yeah, shoots at him. They ditch it, and who knows wherever they went after that. Well, we do know because, well, actually, I do want to point out that they say that Two people matching uh, St. Clair and Reese's descriptions um, knocked up. They were seen in Tennessee knocking up this uh, video store where they video store where they murdered a 20 year old woman who was a mother. Um, Do you want to explain to people who are too young? Do you want to explain to people who are too young to know what video stores are, what a video store is? I would be so surprised if people too young to know what a video store listen to us because, like, why would they know Unsolved Mysteries? Yeah, you're right. Or even if they're into true crime, I don't know if that'd be the first thing they went for. But who knows? It could be wrong. Yeah, video stores where you rent VHSs. um, Call me a millennial, if you will. I am definitely a millennial. But I'm just – I'm 29, so – and Eli's what, 38, 30, 50, 30, 
Um, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but we remember a time like we went and we rented videos. So fuck you, dude. Everyone oh, giving millennials go- shit for not remember. Like I went to the video. I the video store was a thing of a very beautiful thing in my childhood. Actually, even into my teens, like Blockbuster wasn't dude. totally gone till uh, you know a while no. ago. I I, I was more. And- I mean, there was videotapes, but I remember renting DVDs a lot, a lot. Oh, I remember too. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I, I remember. This is before I was married, obviously. Um, but I I would uh, take girls on dates or something and, you know, be talking to a girl. And it's like, oh, you want to go watch a movie? This was before Netflix and chill, right? They used to go to like – It was Blockbuster and chill. Movie. It was Blockbuster and chill. Used to go to the movies or go to the video store and, and hope that they had the movie that you wanted. But, but and, what was also cool is you would walk around and look at covers and discover movies from for yourself. And it was kind of like a magical little – uh, experience yeah. of going and choosing a movie that you're going to watch or for the next couple of days. Like I remember we would have, uh, Oh, the best thing was when you would have a couple buddies over and my dad would take us to blockbuster or Hollywood video and we would like pick some movie. And my dad was like the best at being like, I, I remember being like 12 or 13 and he, and I'd be like, I'd show him, I showed him, I remember showing him fast times at Ridgemont high. And he was like, yeah, you guys will like that. <laughs> That's and he, cool. Yeah, and he rented us Fast Times at Ridgemont High with the boobies and the masturbation scene and all that great <laughs> stuff. Like um Those are classics. Oh yeah. I mean as a little kid he would just call us in like he I, I don't remember a time where I didn't know what Bill and Ted was. Like I, it's yeah. just oh, oh dude. Yeah. <laughs> My dad Bill would always and Ted. You know that yeah. they they finished filming three already. Bill and Ted face the music. I can't fucking wait. Original writers, oh, it's, gonna be it's, good, it's dude. yeah, yeah. Um, original stars, is hot oh, right now, man. Also, okay, original writers, original stars. But did you know that I forget the guy's name, but the same guy, the Sadler, guy William who played Sadler? Death. Yeah, yes, the playing, guy who played Death. He's playing he's Death. Play, he's, yeah, he's dude. Turning to the role of Death. Oh, dude, I'm excited. Uh, Bill and Ted's good. Bogus Journey. Actually, um, I, on Thanksgiving, Dan and Ryan Gooding and I had a. Like a great little time, like after Dan's parents left, uh, uh, Ryan Gooding came over and we watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and he's he hadn't seen it since he was like a proper kid, and we had station, ah, oh, station. <laughs> but we were talking about the moments that genuinely scared us as a kid, which was um, when they're in hell and like little Bill, the and devil, little, the little, devil, dude. I mean, that's not scary, but like little oh. Bill and little Ted, like yeah. w- with the the uh, the creepy. Uh, Easter that bunny scene was, and then the grandma scene was and then Bill's grandma. Yeah, dude. Grandma S Preston Esquire. Whoa. <laughs> dude, I forgot about that scene. It's creepy as yep. fuck. And then, and then, um, they run into the green room where it's like the army and the drill sergeant sergeant's like drop and give me infinity. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. We like Bill and Ted. Okay. Sorry. Anyways, yeah. I don't even know how we got on that. But it's fine. Um, oh, we were talking about the video store. Yeah, yeah we went yeah, so. through video stores. So so they start knocking up these and it's super depressing. Yeah, we're talking about true crime, sorry. So they not only rob okay, and like I said, by the way, I want to prefix with this with uh two white guys that match their description and Tennessee knocked up uh, a video store. Yeah, we don't even know if it was them for sure. Yeah. Killed this poor young clerk, and then they went to one like 30 minutes later at a different video store, killed another and did young female store clerk. Dude, these were young moms, like 20 yeah. years old. Like, that's so sad. Just killing them for no reason, and then um, taking off. And uh, the investigator or somebody involved, one of the guys, he's just like, we have to like emphasize how desperate these uh, guys were, these two convicts. Like, he was like, they have nobody. Oh. They have no other support system or family or anybody they can go to because they're literally murdering people for the sums of a couple of hundred dollars here and there. You know, it's just yeah, like fucked up, you know? Yeah, when you put it in perspective like that, it's fucked up. So at this time, they're on the run still. But guess what happens? These motherfuckers definitely get caught. They were both sentenced to life sentences. I didn't look any more into it. As but a, we I, I, will I mean, now cut to us explaining any more <laughs> that we know now. Um, yeah, so all that really happened. I wanted to know, like, oh, did you look into? I this? thought it was going to be like, a, yeah, I've, I've got it up right here. I've, I've wanted to know like more 
about them and their capture, it doesn't really talk about that. It just says that uh, St. Clair was apprehended just a few days ap- after the episode aired. Um, oh, wow. That soon? Yeah, like well, two weeks. It was actually two weeks. It's still a couple of days in my book. But uh, he was in he was in Oklahoma. Reese was arrested in Las Vegas. Oh, so they were arrested um, separately? Uh, yeah. In January 5th <clears throat> in two, 1992. So he, uh, Reese was... You know, not apprehended. He had a couple uh, extra weeks on vacation, and they were both convicted um, in the murder of Francis Brady. Uh, they were both again had life sentences, um, and Saint Clair actually was sentenced to death. And so Saint Clair apparently had two retrials, um, one in 2011 and another in 2012. Uh, for the death penalty that was actually overturned. So he's... And... Is he still alive? He just... Not on death row Yeah, he's still alive. No, he's still alive. Um, Then Reese confessed to murdering Timothy Keeling and pleaded guilty to the crime uh, in 2012. So they've never admitted Um, to those those people in uh, Tennessee, right? Like the video store? No, the video store. So it says that they don't know why, and I'm assuming because there wasn't evidence tying them to it, but they were never charged in. And the the names of those individuals that were killed were Kathy uh, Stutes and Tammy Tidwell. Um, So nobody's been convicted for their murders. Honestly, like two white guys, I, I don't think i don't know and it's 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 like so they dump a body in new mexico and then they're in tennessee you know i don't know yeah well i'm assuming that they they were never charged because they didn't really have concrete evidence that would be my opinion but you know it could have been anybody else i don't know why they thought it was them in the first place i guess just because desperate times maybe i wonder if the family still thinks that it was them um I mean, they were obviously on this crime spree. Oh, I'm pretty sure that they 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 want to pin it on somebody, so they're going to assume that it was them. Hundred percent, I'm sure. I don't see why they wouldn't admit to it either. You know, still being alive and all that shit. You know. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Who, who knows? At least they're off the streets. That's for sure. Our next case of the night is an unexplained death, and Eli and I are going to be talking about one Ellen McClung Berry. Ellen Lawson McClung Berry. Damn, bitch got lots of names. Um, so she was of Tennessee, and in the year of our she Lord, was born in eighteen ninety four. Did you see that awesome painting that I sent you of her yeah. as a young lady? Yeah. So eighteen ninety four, she was that was probably like twenties, right? If even that, maybe before. Pretty cool. Yeah. There's like, like an that. awesome like Victorian portrait of this lady, and I'll post it on the Instagram. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, I want a portrait like that of me. Because, like they said, her great-great-great-grandfather founded Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. He was, she was like Sorry, upper two echelon. Sorry, like, two greats. Great-great-grandfather. She, she, she was like upper echelon. Like, definitely, they called her the, the, the upper crust is what they called it, the term that they used. In 1978, she's 85 years old. And, um, like, her friend uh, Pete, the hippie with the come over. Isn't that funny? That is like is his author name. Like it's like Arthur, Arthur Pete. Pete. Last name. I didn't get his last name. I didn't but get his last name. He either. has this. He has like he's a bald man with white long hair, and he combs it completely over. Like one from his sideburn is completely combed over, and it just hangs over. And he seems kind of a yeah. hippie. He seems like kind of a hippie, right? Oh yeah, totally. So she was like super loaded because her great great grandfather was the king of fucking. Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, basically, her friend, her hippie friend, says that she was like Muhammad because she lived on this huge house on the top of the hill, and everybody came to her. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were talking about uh, Pete's hair. Is what you're talking about? Oh yeah, Pete's hair was hilarious. Ellen Barry had a son named Hugh Barry, right? And of course, we know this is a rich family. Rich family. These guys had the deepest pockets. On his the Jinko, they, they had they had pockets the size of Jinkos. They were like flame head Jinko jean style. <laughs> if, if yeah, <laughs> if, if you if you had to put a picture of the family's deep pockets, 
<laughs> That's what you would pick is a Jinko Jean. Oh, yeah. Some flavor. Yeah, it'd be great. Hugh Barry was his name. On his 18th birthday, he got into some sort of fight with his grandmother over his inheritance, and he apparently, word for word, took a shotgun and murdered his grandma. What, dude, he was 18 years old. Like that. First of all, the picture of him as an 18-year-old, that didn't look like no 18-year-old. That's a rough number 18, huh? Second of all, what kind of a person shoots their grandmother over their inheritance at 18 years old? So once this happens, he's like sent off to be lobotomized in Mexico, right? Yeah. And according to his family, he dies of pneumonia or like um, his mom, Ellen, and when her husband was still alive, they get note that um, he died of pneumonia or something like that. And then later, apparently she told some people that he killed himself. So maybe she was just kind of like hiding the truth. This this girl had all these crazy, crazy stories for all of her, the men in her life. Yeah, it's crazy. So in comes this fella named Dan Tondevald. Tondevald? Yeah. Did and I say it right? Yeah. Tondevald? I think so. I think so. I think you got it. It's only been an hour since I've listened to, since I've actually watched the episode. In comes this guy named Tan Tondevald. Um, he shows up in 1978, which is, uh, so her husband dies in February 1978. Dan Tondevald shows up sometime in 1978. So she told some people that Dan Tondevald was her godson. She told other people that he was a good friend of Hugh, the, the son we just mentioned, and that he was just kind of like a second son. But it was clear to her close friends that she was trying to, I mean, obviously, if you think about it, Hugh, uh, her son, goes to Mexico, gets lobotomized, kills himself, slash, or dies of pneumonia. And then her husband dies in 1978. So she's essentially this wealthy woman with, you know, nobody that's actually nobody. to her. Yeah, she's just left with all this money. Uh, so Dan Tondevald comes in and... Uh, godfather slash friend of her son dude, slash where did this whoever. guy come from that's what's crazy to yeah. me it's like we still don't know knows where this dude came from and he soon takes to charge of her estate and uh i'm not even gonna lie this story made me believe that i could literally just befriend an old widow and just like take all of her money i mean if it was 1978 yeah yeah for sure all i had to do is just get some unsuspecting widow to trust me Sign sign over all of her documents to me, and then I leave her with nothing. That's really dark. Yeah. So he pretty much yeah he takes he takes control of the Barrymount estate, and by 1983 he owns seven horses of his own, and they're all called Barrymount one through seven. And uh, apparently, one of a lady that was close to Ellen said that the the horse thing wasn't even a dent in her fortune. <laughs> yeah, like apparently it was just a very expensive hobby. This guy just liked to spend money, other people's money on horses. Yeah, so I said in 83 is when he has all these horses, but then they also mentioned that in April of 1982 is when she grants him power of attorney over her whole estate. Dude, this guy was good. According to Comb Over Hippie, Pete, all of her friends were Pete's very pistol. wary. Can we call him? Can we just call him Pistol Pete? Pistol Pete, yeah, <laughs> sure. So according to Pistol Pete, all of her friends were quite wary and not they were uh, they were not trusting of this Tondevald uh, character, and she just kind of didn't you know she shrugged it off. She didn't care. Whatever. She didn't care. Do you think there was sex involved? Do you think she was? Do you think they were? Oh, maybe. Do you think? Do you think he was? Rubbing that old dry bones. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. Do you think she was putting that uh, Ben Gay on the- <laughs> over his- Yeah, probably slathering somebody in Ben Gay. But, okay, so this is when things get, uh, you know, next level odd. It's already odd. In 1984, Tondevald kind of convinces her to go on vacation to Charleston, South Carolina for some reason. So she's gone for like four months. But in the time... That's a long vacation. That's a long vacation. 
So sometime during this time where he's convincing her to go on this vacation for four months, he puts an ad out in the paper where the state is for a chauffeur. And what's weird is he wants to he wants people that are single. Dude, I love it. Can you just read the whole thing? Because I, <laughs> I I don't have it exactly, but I know he want he was asking for people that were single. He was asking for a picture of somebody as well. <laughs> Those yeah. are so. And he said non fat. What it says non fat? Yeah, he said non fat. It sounds like a Craigslist ad. Yeah. That's what I thought originally. I was like, maybe he just wants to get his jollies off. Maybe he just likes dudes. It's fine. Back then, that, back then he doesn't have a social life. How is he going to find him? Put an ad in the paper. Why not? Well, Bissell Pete seems to think something completely different. So this is a weird thing that happens. And then the four months ends and um, they're going to return to Tennessee. But the way they plan it is that uh, Dan Tondeval, D- Tondevald <laughs> is going to... Drive the Mercedes back to Tennessee while the old woman flies back for her convenience, okay. of course, right? I've got it. I've got it right here. So the, the ad read, male, houseman chauffeur, estate two-member family. Other staff includes cook and housekeeper, non-smoker, single, non-fat, and must like privacy of the country. Write with personal details and include a picture if possible. We'll be in Charleston to interview this weekend experienced not necessary will train reply to and then it's just got non-fat yeah Yeah. i got it right here (laughs) that's hilarious and he must like the privacy of the country don't forget that oh yeah because you're gonna get killed out there in the fucking country your dead ass body is gonna be in the privacy of the country that's where it's gonna be you're gonna be there for the rest of the time i might be getting a little ahead of myself so once you post this ad um, it, well, it's somewhere in between this four months where he convinces, uh, Miss Ellen Barry to go on vacation to South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. It's super weird that he asked for the picture, right? Um, so the, it's super weird. So at the end of this four months, they've been fucking South Carolina for four months and they're going to return to Tennessee where the lady lives. So the way they're going to do this is that. Uh, Dan Tondeval is going to drive the Mercedes back to Tennessee while the old woman is going to fly back for her convenience because, you know, it's easier. Um, so by the time they get there, let's just say not everything is as it seems. Yeah. The Mercedes is gone. Uh, there were some lights on. The phone and all the utilities were disconnected. Everything. And once she gets in touch with her financial people uh she realizes that everything's gone cleaned out the way that the uh the sheriff or the the local law enforcement explains it is that she was absolutely gutted her wealth was gutted her pride gutted she was completely gutted like she you know the for the first time in her life they really beat it into your head for the first time in her life this old lady She's had no money no money yeah her pride, her wealth, yeah, it's dirty. Welcome to Middle America. Yeah, her bank account was as dry as her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, that's so not appropriate, but I love it. <laughs> Are we appropriate ever? No, no, no. I, I don't want to change that now. We're entering twenty twenty. We got to keep it alive. The year of perfect vision. That's what I keep saying. Oh yeah. Morning in America. Oh, no, that's the 1980s. Whatever. So 100 miles away in a resort still in South Carolina, this motherfucker is still racking up these credit card bills. What did you say before you said he was a... Because he didn't give a fuck. Oh, he didn't give a shit. Yeah, he... It's also weird. Like, he had to have... I don't know how he could have been so blase with just like uh, continuing spending all these all this money. Oh, easy. Well, he was only spending credit card debt, so he knew that like this was just fun money. I think. Yeah, but once he realized his his little fun money party was running out, was um, when uh, he tried to upgrade his South Carolina fancy villa. Like he was staying at some resort 
And he was like, I need proper accommodations. And he went to go upgrade his villa. And they were like, hey, we need some money now. Because they were catching up with him. They knew what was going on. All of his cards were over limit. So once the person's like, hey, bro, you need to actually pay. Party's he's like, over. He's like, I'm going to go to my villa and get a check. He does not return, nope. does he? In fact, <laughs> everybody thinks that he plotted his own death after that. <laughs> yep. So the next day they find a suicide note in his suite and it's like all scribbly doodah, like all fucking written like a psycho because he wants to get away with the suicide. And then uh, also, isn't there like a, like there's a will too. He, sc- <laughs> he scribbles a fucking will. Yeah. And he asks to be, his body be burned. Oh yeah. And they do it. The worst police work ever. Immediately burn my body. <laughs> And then two weeks later, they find a weird body that um, it's a guy who shot himself in the temple and he's laying in the desert or laying in the middle of nowhere. Not the desert. With a dog. With a dog. Which is like, what? A, why would you if, you, if you wrote a suicide note, why would you kill yourself in the middle of nowhere? So this man shot himself in the left temple and he had all of Ellen Barry's credit cards on him. That's a good point, David. I never even thought about that. Why didn't he do it in in his hotel room? If you're going to leave yourself a fucking suicide note, like, you know, kill yourself in comfort. I don't know. It makes no sense. They call the security guard from this little uh, uh, villa slash, I don't know. What the fuck is it? Like a a little tropical beach resort? They call the security guard from the resort villa, whatever. And he identifies the body and he's like, yeah, sure, that's him. But the hippie uh, Pete guy who was friends with uh, our dear Ellen doesn't believe any of this shit. Oh, no. He's skeptical at best. Oh, yeah. Come over hippie doesn't believe this shit. Come over hippie guy actually finds this weird, like, uh, he finds a copy of this weird ad that we mentioned earlier about the chauffeur for the chauffeur. He finds a copy of this ad that mentions a guy um, who's single and who is not fat, non-fat, like you said. (laughs) (laughs) And who, uh, what's the other weird specific thing that you're just like, oh yeah, that's a murder. Single, non-fat, white. um, He asked for a picture. Oh yeah, he wanted a picture. And he must love the country. He wanted a picture of them. Okay, a country, okay, whatever. But he wanted a picture of them. He wanted someone that looked like him, which is what this uh, comb-over hippie thinks. That he found somebody that he could kill, leave him in the desert. Sorry, I keep saying desert. Leave him in the forest, leave him in the middle of nowhere, and he could take off with his money. Because we don't know what happened to that money. Yeah, we really don't. But according to the police, um, Dan, what's his name? Tondevald. Tondevald, Yeah. Dan Toldevald still killed himself. Um, But Unsolved Mysteries loves to bust out with that, quote, outrageous gossip. And what's the crazy fan theory here? Do you want to say it, Eli? Dude, the crazy fan theory is that that Dan Toldevald is actually the son (laughs) of... Yeah, he is Hugh Barry. Hugh Barry and Dan Toldevald are one. Yeah. That was reaching. Yeah, but it's pretty good. You know, it makes sense. I was like, what? I literally almost spit my drink out when they said that. (laughs) Their reasoning is, of course, that Danton Duvald um, was young enough and sort of, according to the friends, looked like Hugh Barry. But also that um, Hugh Barry murdered his grandmother. So what better way to fake his... uh, Return than just giving him a different name. But Unsolved Mysteries people found a high school yearbook from 1951 from Las Vegas High School. Dude, isn't that crazy? The research that had to go into finding this gentleman. This isn't like a Google search. You can't do this. They literally had to search the entire U.S. from where this dude was. And they ended up finding some random yearbook in Las Vegas. Yeah. And the way it works. That's just astounding to me. The way that they tracked it down was because uh, they actually found Dan Tondevald's uh, resume in Ellen Berry's place. That's right. And they found that he was from Las Vegas. 
So that's that narrowed down the search. Yeah, some unsolved mysteries uh, researcher tracked down a school high school yearbook from Las Vegas High School. Like pretty generic. Like that's the one. A guy named Dan Tondevald who <laughs> definitely matches up, and he was in w- the theater department. Yeah. He's a fellow thespian. Yeah, a lot of people thought his accent was whack AF, as the kids would say. (laughs) Um, A lot of people did not buy his bogus-ass accent. Uh, Dan Tondevald as a Hollandish or Denmarkian or, I don't know, some sort of Swedish or, you know, Norwegian. something, (laughs) Something of that nature. Turns out he was just from Vegas. Yeah, he was just some fucking Vegas scum. Trying to fucking rub off on the sweetness of that uh, uh, delightful region of Europe. <laughs> um, <laughs> go to Amsterdam. It's lovely. Everybody's nice. Everything's expensive, though, because they know you want to smoke weed. Amsterdam. Yeah, so dead. Yeah, they never found this guy. So Dan Sandoval, theater nerd in the 1951 yearbook. They never found him. At the time this episode aired, December 4th, 91, Ellen Berry was 97 years old. And to this day, nobody knows exactly how much money this Dan Tondevald actually took from Ellen McClure Berry. Did I say that right? McClure? McClung. McClung. Ellen McClung Berry. Sorry. Oh. What did you say that she died two minutes after the segment? Aired? Well, I did. I was joking, but in 1992, no, at the age of 98, no. she died. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe not two almost minutes. Just a, a couple minutes. And nobody knows how much money was actually taken from this poor fucking lady. Dude. But apparently police do think that the money was transferred to somewhere in Europe. France or Denmark is what they say. But who knows? Well, those are the two biggest cases we have. Yeah. The next one is A Lost Loves about a guy named Jim Curry. And this one, uh, it's I don't know. I, we'll give you some rundowns of these lost loves because uh, we all know you want to get along with your lives just like we do. So Jim Curry is his kid. He's looking for his mom. That's the basic idea of this lost loves. In 1943, Sergeant Donald Curry meets and falls in love with this woman named Annie Fry. She's from Wales. It's adorable. She becomes pregnant. But in 44, um, she has a miscarriage. Uh, because of actually bombings done by the Nazis, she actually gets uh, some sort of impact ha- causes her to have a miscarriage. So she gets pregnant again. Donald moves the family to Vancouver. They're actually in Vancouver. So December 20th of 44, baby Jim was born, and Jim's the guy who's looking for his mama. We'll just give you a little spoiler there. It's pretty difficult for Annie because Don's not with her. He goes to war. And the war ends um, in Europe in 45 when they're reunited and they actually have another son. But, of course, the dad, Donald, was, like, really messed up by war. Um, he Jim Curry explains this thing that his dad told him about, like, how you're never the same after you see your friends explode in front of you. It's really Dude, fucked wasn't up. that gnarly? Yeah, so fucked that up. That was pretty gnarly. He begins working the night shift as a customs official and apparently his mom becomes friends with a neighbor who's an older uh, married guy, and they have an affair. Starts banging the old neighbor, the, the old banging neighbor trick. And according to Unsolved Mysteries, a relative tell, breaks the news to Donald. And then Donald sues, in 1949, Donald sues her for uh, divorce and custody. And of course he wins because he's a, a war veteran. So they give him the kids, but he's like a cold, mean dude. And she was also banging the neighbor, so that helped. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at least she like loved people and wanted to be loved. So he won custody, and he got to decide if she could ever see the boys. He decided. He decided that 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 she couldn't see the boys, which is super fucking sad. So um, he and Jim actually moved to Los Angeles, but he gives up the other son, Daryl, for adoption, the younger son, which is, like, so fucked up. Yeah. Like, how could you ever love your dad if he just, like, gives up one, like, your little brother? Like, all right. That's fucked. So he remarries a couple times, and Jim says that, you know, 
The, the stepmoms were pretty nice to him, but he always wanted to know what happened to his mom. So Donald, the dad, dies in 89, and then Jim began, began searching for his mom. And he also wanted to find his brother, Daryl. He was actually able to find Daryl in Vancouver and reunite with him. But uh, he was never able to locate his mom. He's still looking for her. And apparently his uh, brother, Daryl, was raised by a loving family. And he didn't find he didn't feel the same need to like look for the mom. They kind of make it seem like he was an asshole in the Unsolved Mysteries, but who knows? Who knows if he kept in touch with Jim Curry? We don't know. So he's still looking for his mom. Wow. Daryl doesn't have any memories of the mom, but he you know he'd he'd be interested yeah. in finding her. Yeah, they said that he that he was kind of loyal to the adoptive parents that took him in. Yeah. Another thing we didn't mention is that. Pretty much what Jim does is he finds... Oh, yeah. He finds people's lost loved ones. Like, uh, he works for some state, right? Like, he, he looks for uh, family members of uh, prisoners and stuff. Yep. yep, yep, Death row inmates, and he looks to find people related to these people. So the only update to this is, that unfortunately, it was still unsolved. Um, but Jim was put in contact with a relative of Annie's and the relative stated that she had been searching for him as well, but the relative has, has since lost touch. By the time she got a hold of, of Jim, she hadn't talked to Annie in several years. And so they don't know what happened to her. If she was alive, she would be um, at the time of, I think the airing would be, or not the time of the airing, but, in the wiki, it says that she'd be about 92 years old. So I don't know if that's yeah. current or it's been updated or the, the little age progression picture they say says age progression of Annie to age 67. So maybe that's the age that she probably would have been at the time that the episode aired. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they did say that she was really short five, two medium build and had a British accent because she was an English woman. Right. From Wales. Yeah. So Welsh is a little stronger of a British accent. And it just sucks that this guy could never find, uh, I guess it, maybe it would say if Jim Curry passed, but it's, I mean, it sucks that he'll never, yeah, he'll probably never know that, but interesting fellow either way. Like, um, I think this is a pretty good and ins- interesting story. What do we got next? Cause we, we have like three lost loves. No, no, no. Th- there's only one more. Uh, we, oh. there was before this, there was an update on the, uh, uh, what's his name? The little boy, the little uh, Japanese boy that was left. Yeah, five as a five-year-old. But it was the dad story. He couldn't find his parents, and he couldn't find his son. Yeah, that was one of the ones that uh, I missed. Joseph, I forget. Um, no, we we talked about that case. You don't remember talking about that case? Not with me, no. Yeah, we did. It wasn't that long. It was a long time ago. Are you sure? Yeah. I must have been drunk during that during that episode. <laughs> So Charlie Best is a good dude, and his wife Alva is also a good chick. They have children. Their childrens are named Zella May, Carl, and Verlin. 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 They are from. They're from Eastern Tennessee. They grew up during the Great Depression. They supported themselves by growing watermelons and tobacco. And in the spring, it's not a bad business. No, those are good things, especially watermelon flavored tobacco. If you're if you're in that vape life, you know nowadays. <laughs> in spring of 1939, Tom Underwood just walks up to their door uh, with his two daughters. Madeline was nine, Ada was seven, and he asked if they could stay in the barn. Well, actually, he asked if the girls could just have any sort of bed or any sort of comfortable night. And that he would be able to, he could stay in the barn or wherever. It didn't matter. And um, Charlie, the dad, insisted that they could all stay in the house. He was a sweet guy. And Tom kind of explained that they had fallen on hard times, uh, that his wife had passed away some years earlier, and that uh, him and the girls had pretty much been traveling, walking down the road, following him anywhere so he could find uh, work. He wanted those girls to just, be able to sleep under a roof. Man, isn't that crazy? The way it used to look for work back then? You used to have to like walk around and actually physically look? Yeah, like the Google search. You <laughs> you and your two children walking around like, hey, this is pretty sad. That's Give me crazy. a job, right? 
dude, that's, yeah, that's tough. Especially on two kids that are seven and nine. I have two girls that are seven and nine right now, and I can't imagine doing that with them. That's Literally, insane. your girls are actually seven and nine. How weird. Seven and nine, yep. And also, we're recording this episode on December the 4th. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, they actually, uh, they they left, you know, they they were they were gracious that they were fed, and they took off. And they went to another part of Tennessee because um, the dad said he had family. And Zella May never thought she'd see them again. She's, Zella May, when she's telling this story, is like 66 years old. She looks about it, she, it, she looks at 2019, 80, but she was 66 years old and she's explaining what happened to her. She says a few days later, she saw the girls passing by in a, like getting a ride somewhere. And she offered that they come and stay with them. She's like, I talked to my dad, and we really think that the girls should stay with us. Yeah, and they got super excited about it, too. So Tom, the dad, agreed to leave these kids with this great family while he would go look for a job and figure things out. So they soon became just a part of the family, and um, we get to hear from Zella May and uh, her brother. What's her brother? Uh, Carl? Carl Best? Yeah, they talk Ver- about. And, and Verlin. Oh, yeah. Or was Verlin a girl? No, I don't know. Zella, May, and Carl talk about how these two were just a normal part of the family, that they uh, they were just like, that Charlie, the dad, Charlie Best, treated them just like his own kids. They went to school with them. They helped them shut corn on the farm. They did all the chores with them. They actually really, really helped them take care of their mom. Because Charlie Beth's wife, uh, Alva, had a bad, bad disease. and um, Oh, that, like girls, a neurological disease, right? Like, yeah, and the girls would wait on her and help her out as much as they could. And they were very much loved by the Bests. And, the, you know, they were just, like, exactly treated like one of their own. So this went on for, like, two years, and Tom apparently visited him a couple times. And then in 41... He came one day in the middle of the day and just like immediately said, we got to go, we got to go. He said that he had remarried and he needed to leave as soon as possible. So he took the kids and the kids didn't necessarily want to go and it seemed crappy, but they went and they were reluctant and they took off. Three months later, this is creepy. This is the scary part. Oh man, this is so sad. Yeah. Three months later, the best got a letter from the girls it said that Tom had left them at some orphanage in Nashville. But by the time they wrote back, the they wrote to the orphanage again, Charlie had come back to get them, and they never heard from the kids again. The Bests were always wondering what happened to these two girls that they loved and cared for so much. Yeah, and they show Zella May going to visit the dad, and he's old. You know, he's getting up in his years, and... Yeah, they also say Alva and Verlin passed away. And the dad, Charlie, was 91 at the time of this. Um, he wasn't in good health, but he really always wondered about the, the girls, he called them. The girls. So Zella May and Carl were still looking for these kids. Interestingly enough, um, Amazon did a little mix them up because it says that this case actually aired January 29th of 1992. So we know that sometimes they cut episodes out and move stuff around. But we're in the general area, right? <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. Just a couple just a couple weeks later, maybe a month. So basically they're looking for Madeline and Ada because they want to just see what happened, what became of these girls that they just loved so much with all their hearts. And the results are that uh, Madeline, the older daughter, apparently passed away, unfortunately, in 1978. But Ada, who lived in Indiana, was actually watching the broadcast. And uh, 10 days later, she reunited with Charlie and Carl and Zella May. And they all got together at Charlie's old place in Madison, Tennessee, which was apparently just around the corner from where, you know, they grew up. Interestingly enough, the dead Charlie passed away within two months of the update. And uh, apparently the kids said that meeting Ada brought him great comfort in his last couple of days. And he really appreciated seeing. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah. Really appreciated seeing what happened to them. Apparently Ada Underwood actually passed away in 2007. Carl Best passed away in 2010. And Zella passed away in 2014. 
So they all lived nice long lives. Actually, not really Ada, huh? Whatever. <laughs> <Cut that. laughs> it's nice that they all got to meet up and see each other before they all croaked, right? Right. <laughs> At least. You okay, Eli? You hurting? I am. I'm going down. I'm getting sleepy. I'm talking about your. I'm talking about your pain threshold. Oh yeah, my pain is there. It's up there. Oh, Sucks. Go bad after this. Don't squeeze it too much. I'm trying not to. Um, if you don't remember, uh, Eli has a fatal mortal wound. Um, but we love him. Uh, but thanks so much for hanging out with the two of us. We sure had fun, didn't we? We did. It's been a while since we did this. I'm a little rusty. We've been hanging out for like over two hours, but you'll probably just get a quaint hour, maybe a little more. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. You know how these things go. Thanks for hanging out. Good episode. We got some more fun for you coming up. Uh, we're working our way through December. Hope you enjoyed our Spook Troop special episode. Go and rate and review and subscribe to the Spook Troop. Hear uh, me and a cavalcade of nerds, just like Eli, talk about yeah. horror movies. And tell your friends. Yeah, listen to the Spook Troop, listen to the Stack Pack, follow the Stack Pack on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Davey How, D A V Y H O W. And I'm a big bad vinyl dad. And also, you can find beautiful daniel benavides at road underscore dan and for every mystery there's someone somewhere who knows the truth and perhaps that someone is listening i don't know perhaps that someone is you uh happy december we love you give someone a hug that you love because you know we're alive good times and don't go killing any video clerks yeah that's really the takeaway from this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, folks. Good night.